Hey, Connect Church, PD here. Uh, so glad to be with you today. I hope you're excited. We are continuing a series entitled In God We Trust. That's our series. The season we're in is Legacy. I'll come back to that in just a second, but I want to just first of all, just give a big shout out to all the ladies in the house. The Horizon Conference just took place this weekend. Uh, I believe it was incredible. I hope you guys were super, super blessed. If any of you ladies went to it, just kind of put some comments in the chat about how God blessed you. My wife had a powerful word, and I'm just so proud of all you guys for making that a priority. Also want to mention, exciting news, uh, we're opening a new city group. Of course, no city groups today, but city groups again next week. We're opening a new location, so we're going to be in uh, Natick, Framingham, Milford. We're back up, Milford, Marlborough. Uh, Ashland, and then Shrewsbury. Come on, somebody, we're going to have six locations next week. Super, super exciting. So, so proud of you. I encourage you to keep gathering with us together if you are able to. So listen, I'm going to piggyback off of last week. Last week, uh, we talked about uh, in this series, In God We Trust, who is your master? That was part one. And we highlighted a scripture uh, from Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, where it tells us, Jesus speaking, that you cannot serve, not both God and Satan, you can't serve both God and money. The money can get in the way and that money can be a big obstacle in our hearts. It can be the number one competitor in our hearts and in our relationship with God. But I want to kind of distill that message because there's a lot in there. And I'm going to distill with kind of this one key idea. And that is if we don't direct our money, our resources, and by the way, parenthetically, I said where your money, what determines where your money goes is your self-control and your priorities. But if we do not direct our money, in short, our money will direct us. And a lot of people are not having, money is not a tool for you. Money has become, in many cases, in many instances, our master. And so the reality is money uh, is dominating most people in the world today. In fact, um, we'll see, uh, in, we do see in Scripture, and I hope not, I, I'm not going to see because I'm going to be gone because I'm going to be raptured and many of you will too, but in the end times, the way the Antichrist will attempt to control the entire world will be through money. And so money uh, is neutral, but money can have a spirit on it that can attempt to control us and direct us. And so if we don't direct money, money will direct us and it can eat up a lot of real estate in our thoughts and in your plans and uh, in your time. And, and, and if you think about it, when we allow money to determine our decisions, we, always, we often get in trouble. And so this thought in and of itself could be a book, you know, a series, uh, as most people often fall into a trap, as the Bible says, or a snare. First Corinthians 6 tells us that people who long to be rich they fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. It goes on to even say, some have even veered from the faith, left the faith, because you cannot serve both God and money. Can I have any men out there? And so if you're not careful, money will call the shots in your life. And, and, and what can happen is, and it can show up in different ways, you can get, for example, it can be very subtle and, and very, um, seems logical, but if you get a tempting job offer that requires you to move to a different city, and the thought is it must be God, right? Because it's a great job offer, and so I must move because it looks promising, and, and because the money's good, and we make these lists, and, and the question, though, remains, uh, 
Is God the author of major decisions in your life, or is money the author of the decisions in your life? In short, the answer to that question reveals our master. And the master is always the decision maker. The master is always the decision maker. But today we're going to talk about how God wants to bless us to be a blessing, a blessing to others. That's really what legacy is all about. It's, I'm not living my life, uh, you know, just thinking that that's all there is to this life. I'm living my life knowing there's more to this life than this life. That's what legacy is. And so God wants us to use the resources. Money is simply a tool. Uh, I heard one person say it's a tool. It's a test. It's a trademark. It's a test of our heart. It's a trademark to whom we belong, but, but it's a tool where we can be, it can be used for God and to make a difference in this world and to leave a legacy. But if we don't understand money right, it, 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 the, our giving, excuse me, our living will affect our giving. And our perspective is influencing in many respects our potential for provision. So as an example, and I think we would all agree uh, with this thought, um, we know that God is working in the spiritual world, right? I think we would all, if we're a Christ follower, we know that God is spirit, right? And, and there's a spiritual world out there, and that's why we pray, because we know that there's things in the spirit uh, that, that are taking place and transpiring. But do you, all, do you also believe... Do you believe that God is also and can work in the material world? Now, uh, you know, he, and I just want you to know something. He is, whether you believe it or not, and I'm going to show you how. But we must see and keep in mind how much money is currently controlling us and how important it is to break that control so you can see God begin to bless you and work through you in the material world. I heard a story about a husband and wife named Henrietta and, Hen and Herman. Henrietta and Herman. And um, they had been married for a number of years. Uh, they purchased a home, and they bought a really, really nice house. Oh, apparently, Henrietta bought the house. And Henrietta said, you know, come on, honey, I, I want to take you through the house that we just bought, and we're going to go room by room. And so they went through the whole house room by room, going to this room, and he, she'd show him, and he's like, he'd nod his head, and the next room, the next room. She finally got to the last room, and she said, Herman, I just want you to know something. And if it wasn't for my money... None of, this, none of this would be here. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for my money. And so then the next day, um, the furniture guys show up. And big trucks come in, and they start unpacking all the furniture. And they put it in all the rooms, get new furniture, all throughout this beautiful, nice home. And when they were gone, Henrietta says, Herman, come with me. We're going to go through all the rooms of the house, and we're going to view all the furniture. And they go to this room, and they go to that room. And he'd nod his head and kind of roll his eyes a little bit. And at the end of it all, she says, Herman, I want you to understand something. None of this furniture would be here if it wasn't for my money. None of it would be here if it wasn't for my money. And he's starting to get a little, you know, upset about it. Anyway, the next day... All these uh, other trucks and vendors come, these tech people come, and they've got TVs, and they've got game systems, and sound systems, and alarm systems, and garage door openers, and all this stuff is all over the house. And they leave. And once again, Henrietta says, Herman, uh, I want to take you through all of the house, and I want to show you all the things that have happened. And at the end of it all, he's really getting frustrated, and she says, she says to Herman, Herman, you know, if it wasn't for my money, none of this would be here. None of this would be here. Finally, Herman, just frustrated, she said, he said to uh, Henrietta, Henrietta, I'm sorry if this offends you, but I want you to understand something. I, I don't want you to feel bad, but if it wasn't for your money, I wouldn't be here either. <laughs> I wouldn't be here. And so the truth is, and we don't want to admit it sometimes, but money 
is often the cornerstone of much of what we do, much of what we do, much of what uh, we think about as well. 2 Corinthians 9.8 is this powerful, powerful text. And Paul says this. This is one of my favorite, actually, texts related to resources in the Bible, if I'm honest. It says this. God is able to make all grace by the way, that's not the, the, the thing we say at dinner time and a pretty girl's name. All grace abound toward you, not the person next to you or across the street. No, toward you. God is able to make all grace abound toward you uh, so that, um, in other words, why? Why? So that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, will have an abundance of for every good work. Now, I don't know how many times you have read this particular verse, 2 Corinthians 9, 8, but I've read it many, many times, many, many, many times. But this truth, we need a revelation about it. And in summary, uh, what I believe this text is saying, and you can study it for yourself, is God wants you to abound with such grace uh, that you will always have what you need for yourself, sufficiency for yourself, and you'll be able to help those in need. Any, at all times, in all situations, having everything you need and everything that you could help others with as well. And so that's what it says. And so wherever you go, you can bring the kingdom of God to it and bless it. And the fact is, many of us, most of us, are not living with that capacity, with that ability, with the ability to, we're not blessed enough to be a blessing. We're not experiencing this reality. And I, and I would just say, Why? And I have to ask myself sometimes, why can't I meet that need? And why can't I help that? And I want to do that, but I, I, I just can't. And I think there are some keys uh, that if we could unlock some things um, that, and we can talk about these things, it might help us in a big way. And so I want you to look with me at some of the keys for some of these financial lids being broken in your life. Because, you know, God said to the Israelites in Deuteronomy 8.18, I think it'll be in your notes, it says, My people, you shall remember. Now, this, 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 I've always quote the second part, but I forgot the first part. My people, you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. It's a powerful text. He, now think about this. He says, he says, because he says, remember. See, we remember the spiritual parts of things. We remember that God, um, uh, that God gives us healing and that God gave us salvation by grace through faith, that God gives us freedom, that God gives us peace, that, that God created the heavens and the earth. And, but do you remember that it is God who gives you the power to get wealth, the ability and authority to get wealth? And so this... So, you know why, by the way? Because it says it in the verse here, so that his covenant will be established on the earth. So what happens is certain people like me extrapolate pieces of this and they make it about you, this excessive prosperity message. No, we're not blessed so we can just be blessed all by myself. We're blessed to be a blessing to the earth, to, to fulfill uh, God's kingdom purposes on the earth. And there's something that has, every time I read this, that has vexed me in my spirit about how the preaching has been done regarding this. But this is about giving, not to get. This is about giving so you can be a giver. This is about giving so you can be a blessing. Are you seeing this with me, everybody? And so this is the key to life. Now, the last part of this verse, again, it says, wealth releases God's covenant and kingdom on the earth. Uh, we gain influence and dominion 
when we're able, first of all, to get wealth, but then to give the wealth. That's how, by the way, you know, the greatest way to increase uh, influence is through integrity, yep, and generosity. That's how you increase influence. Now, truth be told, we overlook and even avoid uh, and misunderstand texts like this because we look at it sometimes as Christians and we think we don't want to buy some kind of a lie. We don't want to be caught and trapped in some kind of a prosperity message. And we don't want people to, you know, be all about getting wealthy and getting rich. And we think this kind of teaching is about that. And it's, it's not. We don't accept or experience the full counsel of God. It's not about getting rich. It's about being blessed so you can be a blessing. Genesis 12, 2 uh, supports this. It says, God speaking to his, the nation, he says, I will make you into a great nation, Israel, and I will bless you. Don't forget, he wants to bless us. I will bless you and I'll make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. And that word famous, really better translation than NLT is really influential. And so if you don't see it this way, then guess what? If you don't see that you, God wants to bless you, so you can bless others. If you don't see it like that, then guess what? You and I are selfish. Yeah, you're selfish. What do I mean by that? If, because if, if you just have you on your TV screen of your life, on the future screen of your life, then God's saying you're selfish because he didn't create us to just consume but to contribute. He didn't create us to just, uh, it's not how, it's not the duration of our life, it's the donation of our life. And so I didn't, he said, I didn't just put you in history here, Derek, to just get by or to just keep things for yourself, to hoard things for yourself. No, I, I didn't create you to pile up a whole lot of, of, of money just for you and, and, and maybe your heirs. Uh, Hannah Anderson Clothing Company, uh, uh, the owner, his name is Denhart, and he said this about money. He said, money's like manure. <laughs> you pile it up and it will stink. But if you spread it all around, everything's going to grow. <laughs> I love that. And so many of us are limited and directed by financial lack, we're, and we're distracted by financial excess. We are limited by financial lack or we're distracted by financial excess. And in either instance, they are equally uh, dangerous for us. And, but you are to be blessed, God's desire, so you can be a blessing. Know this, it's about others. It's not just about, you know, God want to bless you? Yes, but he's doing it for a purpose. Billy Graham, the, one of the greatest, probably the greatest evangelists of all time, gone home, gone home to be with the Lord. He, he was not a prosperity preacher, but he said this. He said, if a person gets his attitude right and straight about money, it will help straighten out nearly every area of their life. See, uh, even as a, an evangelist, not a prosperity preacher, he's basically perhaps the greatest one ever known. He said, get money right, get your life right. Get money right, get your life right. Jesus said it too. He said, get money right, and you will and can be trusted with true riches. Yet, we don't spend the time to really understand what God says, and we don't really see really the full counsel of God in his word. And, and so many people over the years have said to me, Peter, you know, I've done the tithe thing. I've heard you teach about that, and, but I still find myself struggling. There's not many people that have said that because by virtue of tithing, it reorders your finances. If you do it consistently and over many years, you're almost forced to be on a budget because it reorders your life. But there are on occasion people who say, I've been a tither, but I still struggle. And I would just say, pay attention to this. Tithing is not the full plan of God's blessing. It is an ingredient. 
It's not the full plan of God's blessing. It's one of the ingredients in a concrete foundation to material uh, uh, blessing in your life. Uh, but in a foundation, you just can't have one ingredient. You need the, the cement, uh, the steel, the water, the sand, uh, the time sometimes for it to cure. And so many say that the key to blessing, and I've heard preachers do this, is to tithe. It is one of the keys to blessing is to tithe, but it's not the only ingredient. We're going to talk about a couple others in the course of this series. The Bible says when we rob God, that's a problem for sure. How do we rob God? We rob God, Malachi 3.8. Through 10, it says, we rob God with tithes and offerings. That's how you've robbed me. You have robbed me of tithes, check it out though, and offerings do me. Wow. See, we'll get to that in a second. Then he says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. So where do you bring the tithes? You bring them into the storehouse. Now, I don't have time to unpack all of this, but that's talking about the local church. It's not just where you want it to go. It's going back to where God tells for us for it to go. And if you've been fed well at the church that you go to, you should be paying your tithes for the meal that you've been receiving. Come on, somebody. All the tithers love that point, and all the non-tithers get upset with me. But you're not here, and I can't see your face. Praise the Lord. And then if you do tithe and bring offerings, the Bible says, I'll pour out a blessing so great. Come on, say that with me. So great. A blessing so great, you won't have room enough to take it in. Then he says, try it. Let me prove it to you. So in this scripture, it's one of the only ones he says, test me in it. But often we test him only applying half of the truth. Now, what does it say? He said, you've robbed me of tithes and offerings. And if we did that, we can be blessed, really blessed, blessed so great. And But we don't often hear it, and I've been guilty myself of hearing about tithes and offerings, and offerings. And, 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 in, and in an effort sometimes to, for me, as the pastor of this church, to eradicate the notion that the church is just after people's money, we don't even pass a plate. And, of course, we can't pass a plate now because we're all online or, you know, we can't in our city groups. But we don't. We haven't passed a plate uh, in years and years and years. I don't even know now. Fifteen years probably. And so we, because we want people not to do it out of obligation but see it as an opportunity. We want, we want people to do it, uh, you know, as a lifestyle thing, not a legalistic thing. We don't want people to guilt give or tip God. We want people to do it from their heart and not under compulsion. And so there's a lot of, it's good stuff. But in, the, the problem is sometimes... Uh, uh, people don't do it because there's not that clear opportunity, and sometimes we don't do the other half of it, which is tithes and offerings. We don't take an offering. We don't take up an offering. And so offerings are important. And just as an insert, you already heard this already, we're having a, we're having a big offering next week, and so I just want to encourage you to pray about that and plan for that. But what happens when we implement God's ways. Malachi 3.12, if we tithe and bring offerings, so a tithe is returning to God what's already his, and offerings is above that. And so when you do that, I just want you to see the reward before we unpack those two principles. The reward is all nations will call you blessed. I think they're going to call you personally blessed. They'll call the church at large blessed if we bring tithes and offerings. So, and then it says, for you will be a land sparkling with happiness. These are the promises of the Lord Almighty. So when we get this right, the world will see it and say, man, 
They are blessed. Man, they got it going on. Things are going good for them. And, they be, and, and, and they've got a land and they've got a church and they got, there's a people there that are sparkling and they're happy. Can you see this? Come on, somebody. That's exciting stuff. So when the church gets material things right, the nations are blessed. The people of, around them are blessed. And God begins to move powerfully through them. And so this text, again, it shows us two things. Fast. Two keys to blessing and breakthrough. First in the text, Malachi 3, 8 through 10, you got to honor God. Now, honoring in other parts of the world, like if you were in uh, Australia or New Zealand or something, they spell honoring um, H-O-N-O-U-R-I-N-G. We take in America the U out. Because a lot of times you and I don't really want to honor God. So I think we got to make sure we've got the you in honor. You honor God when you tithe. You honor God when you tithe. And regardless of how you spell the word, it's so important that you understand that you are, you are acknowledging the sovereignty of God. You are acknowledging the ownership of all things, that he owns it all, the cattle on a thousand hills, that everything belongs to God. And he's only asking you for a portion of it back, and you're returning something to him. You're, giving, you're not giving, you're giving back to him what already belongs to him. And so if you want breakthrough in your life, you've got to honor God with the tithe. We'll talk more about that next week. So are you doing that? If you're not, I just want to encourage you. There's no condemnation to them that are Christ Jesus. I don't want you to do it if you feel manipulated. But I'm just telling you, that's one of the reasons that you're not experiencing breakthrough and you've got limits on your material world. And so I, I want blessing. I don't know about you, but I want blessing. So for every dollar, of, uh, for every $10, I give a dollar. And I've been doing that for 25 years plus. And so, uh, by the way, a key to that that sometimes we miss is, don't give it last, give it first. So when you get your increase, your income, the first thing you should write is your tithe check. So if you, whatever you do first requires faith, because you don't know if you're going to have enough at the end of that. So I just want to tell you, a little secret is, honor God with the tithe, and whatever you do, you do it first to God, because it requires faith. But then, it says, and offerings. What is offerings? That's the giving part. See, we're not even giving until after the tithe. Giving is the second part we miss. It's not just about honoring, it's about giving. And I think people get nervous about that part. It seems so excessive. It, it seems so like over the... You're saying 10% plus. I'm telling you just what the Bible says, and I'm telling you what lifts the lids and takes the limits off of your life financially. And so tithing, again, is not giving. It's giving back. It's returning. And, 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 and tithe in the Bible, by the way, uh, you, never see, um, you never see the tithe called seed ever in the Bible. So seed is above that. And, and so we honor God with what rightfully belongs to him. And then we take seed and we got to put it in the ground in order to see a harvest. So uh, what we should do is honor God with a tithe and then we get some seed and we give it and we put it in the ground and then, then watch what God does. So the, the, the honoring of God with the tithe brings protection. This is about protecting all you have. So some of us tithe and God will protect everything you have. But some of us that bring and offerings above that, that's where, that's where provision, there's protection and you want provision, you want multiplication, you want growth, all you need, multiplied, blessing, that comes from the offerings. And so I want to give you a few lids that keep these 
principles from working in our life, some limiters, some like governors to financial growth. And, um, and, and when we see these, uh, I think they'll be pretty plain, but a lot of times we don't do them and we don't do them in cooperation one with the other. And so one of the lids or one of the limiters to financial growth is when we fail to grow in generosity. I didn't say just be generous. I said grow in generosity. In other words, we want to be like God. Become more like God as a Christ follower. And the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave. God was extravagantly generous. And we cannot reap if we do not sow, right? And sowing is, again, it's very different. And uh, 2 Corinthians 9, it tells us this. It says, remember this, because we forget. Whoever sows sparingly, reaps sparingly. Whoever sows generously, reaps what? They reap generously. Whatever you sow, you reap. Did you know that? Whatever you sow, you reap. Proverbs tells us that the one who uh, scatters, and, and then there's one who sows and increases more. I love that. See, sometimes we, by the way, don't scatter seed randomly. Some of you have seed. You have a certain amount of resources that you'd like to be generous with, but you don't sow it strategically. You're scattering it randomly. That's just key here. A lot of times we're just like, we go through the cash register. Would you like to give to such a, like, you don't even know anything about that. You don't even know what that whole thing's about, and they all oh, do that. And then you're doing a little thing over there. And you're giving, you're giving without thought, you're giving without strategy, you're giving without knowledge of the soil to which you are planting your seed. So I would just encourage you to get the maximum return on investment for the kingdom of God. Don't just scatter seed, sow it strategically. A farmer uh, just doesn't just throw everything up in the air in front of a fan. A lot of times, the farmer, you can see them, they'll plant in rows, Sow your seed in rows. And, and what does that look like? Well, I mean, it's, it's, I think to sow strategically, you sow in relationships. The most powerful way to give, I think principally, is in relationships. Is, is it a relationship where I want to sow? Another thing that helps me with this, is it making an eternal difference? That's where I sow. Uh, another reason I would sow or where I would sow is, is it growing? Is it growing? Where is it going and is it growing? That's what it means to sow in a row. <laughs> Proverbs 11.24 says, Some people give much but get back even more. Others don't give what they should and end up poor. Whoever gives to others will get richer. Those who help others will themselves be helped. So this is a principle that if you work it, will work for you. If you wonder why you keep ending up with so little or, or less, it's because of this principle. If you wonder why you end up with more and, and increase, it's because of this principle. Uh, you know, as a, just an example, like, um, this is a funny thing, but I was just talking to Whitney about this, but shoes keep coming to me. Shoes. I talked about this last week. I got a problem, but the flip side of it is I got a blessing with shoes, okay? Because I, I, I seed the gospel into so many people as a pastor, uh, people keep seeding me with shoes, you're saying, what are you talking about, Pastor? Well, the Bible says, how beautiful are the feet of him who bring good news. Come on, somebody, little profile on the shoes there. Yeah, yeah. And so people keep giving me shoes. I haven't paid for a pair of Air Jordans yet because people keep seeing it. And I kept asking God, why do I keep getting them? He says, because you keep, you keep blessing people with the gospel and this principle, how beautiful are the feet of them who bring good news. I keep sharing good news, and people keep getting my feet, you know, filled with, with Air Jordans. Praise the Lord. 
hard. Okay, so to become generous, uh, you got to understand there's a key foundation of life. Generosity is a key foundation of life. And it's not just about money, by the way. So if you give a smile, if you sow a smile, you'll get a smile back. You know, if you sow faith, you'll get faith back. If you respond to somebody, uh, they're going to respond to you. If you, uh, if you go early to work, you're going to get more work. Some of you are like, no, I don't want any more work, okay? But some of us need work, okay? And so it, whatever it is that you sow will come back or grow back to you. A generous man will have a generous life. And there's something of God in this idea that the enemy wants to corrupt in you and keep from you and make you either small-minded or selfish in your mind. And we have lots to learn about this. So I would say, honor God, tithe first. I would say, so generously second. By the way, in giving, there are four levels of giving. Write these down if you're taking notes. We give... For, uh, there's like four levels of giving. We give out of, number one, self-interest. Self-interest. We basically give because we're going to get. We give because we're going to get. Now, we automatically think that's bad. And this isn't necessarily wrong. It's just the lowest level of giving. God knows as a good parent that we, uh, especially initially in the early stages of our faith, um, you know, that we're small in our faith, and we're in, we're in our infancy, and, the, and to encourage us, he wants to encourage us with rewards. I don't know if you've ever seen this, but if you sow prayer as a, as, a, as a new Christian, it seems like your prayers get answered right away. If you sow financially, it seems like you get more, more of those immediate responses, okay? And there's, so there's this response, reward, relationship, given, it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will men give into your bosom? And if for in the same way it will be measured to you, you, the same way you use it, it will be measured to you or back to you again. And so give and you will receive. But that's the first level. The second level, if you're taking notes, is out of spiritual gratitude. This is just out of gratitude. It's not about what I get. It's about what I already got. It's not about what I get. It's about what I already got. And so, so this, this whole, you know, when people say to me, Petey, this, this whole idea about tithing and, and offerings and stuff and sowing is so challenging. It's so challenging, and, and, and I get it, but sometimes I want to say, do you realize how blessed you are? Do you realize? I mean, the earth that you're, you're walking on right now, God gave you. The shoes that you're stepping in, God, those boots that you're walking in were made for walking, but God gave you those boots, okay? The breath that you're now breathing, every breath, God gave you that breath, and, and the fact that you can, you know, you can go out in November in golf PD is, is a blessing from God. The fact that your body works and your brain still works for some of us, uh, the fact that God gave you this and God gave you that, you, you should be so grateful, and out of that gratitude, we give. And, and I don't know if I can do that kind of living, Pastor Derek. I don't know if I can do that kind of giving in my life. And I would say this to you. If you are a parent and you have a child and your child faced, God forbid, a terminal illness and there was no known remedy save one apart from one wonder drug, but this wonder drug would cost you twice what you have in this life, what would you do? You would do anything in your power to acquire that wonder drug to save your child. You would do anything, anything imaginable so that they could live. 
God is saying something similar to us. I've given you the wonder drug for life, the word of God, the principles of God, these these axioms that if you will apply them, they will work in your life, that if you use them, they will bring these things back to you. And it just requires a small amount of faith when you look at it by percentage and you can see me do miracles in your life. And you got to get to the place where you just say, and you mean it, and you also practice, in God we trust. Come on, say that in the chat. Say, in God we trust. In God we trust. But do you? Do you really trust him, though? Because God wants to take care of all of your needs. Uh, He wants to take care of the needs of others through you. What, you know... What is man that you are mindful of him? God cares about your needs. God's concerned about the things that you're concerned about. But the devil tries to keep your hand on this stuff. But God says, no, this principle can release. If you can open your hand, if you can open your heart, this principle can release the wonders of God in your life. Uh, the, sec- the third level of giving is selfless obedience. You don't, even, you don't even have to be convinced anymore in order to do it. Selfless obedience. You just obey. You, you've kind of grown up now. You, it, it, you know, if God said it, that's good enough for you. And you don't, you, don't, you don't have to wait for your mind to kick in. Your word has become, God's word has become a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. And, and, and Psalm says, I delight to do your will, O Lord. My daddy used to sing a song about that. And then the fourth level of giving, this is the one I want for you, is supernatural revelation. This is all under number one, supernatural revelation. Basically, you come to, there's, there's financial laws, and they work, spending and, you know, and, 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 and income management and, and saving. And, and, and sometimes the world even believes you know, in, in budgeting and giving, etc. But there are higher laws in the economy of God that he has for us. And so supernatural revelation is when you see God's ways are superimposed on the world system and will make you more successful in this life than you could be just applying the laws of man, the law of calling over compensation, the law of contentment over consumerism, the law of stewardship over ownership, the law of treasures in heaven over treasures on earth where you're building an ERA more than you're building an IRA. There are these revelations that God wants to reveal to you, and it comes through these processes, this this growth and this journey as we give. I, no eye has seen, no ear has heard what God has prepared for those who love him. And I want to position myself in history to make Make a difference with the resources he's put in my life. And I believe many of you, if you'll grab hold of it, can see that we must not be so need conscious. We must become more seed conscious because only if there is seed in the ground can we reap a harvest. Isaiah 32.8 says, but generous people plan to do what is generous and they stand firm in their generosity. You know, the world is watching us. The world is watching how Christians live. And this is one of those places and spaces where we can make the greatest impact upon the world. Brendan Manning said this. Brendan Manning said this. He said, the number one cause of atheism are Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips on Sunday and come out of church and deny him in their lifestyle. I'll let that sit. That's powerful. That is what an unbelieving world finds simply unbelievable. You see the world is looking for uh, 
people who are carrying uh, God with them into the world. And one of the ways we do that is through, through generosity. Number two, uh, another l- limiter to financial growth is destructive debt. Destructive debt. And so sometimes we borrow way beyond our, our, our ability to, uh, to manage it. We're, we're under debt we don't have lordship over debt. And, and, and we, what are you talking about? We, we, we just bought a house. I know, but it's too big for you. You bought a house that's way beyond you, and now you're stressed out every day, and now you're working and living and making decisions under pressure. And, and you, instead of, you know, you know, pay now, play later, you, you, you're buying now, and you're going to pay later, and you're going to pay later greater because of that. Uh, a principle that will save us, I heard this great quote, it said, delayed gratification is essential, is an essential key to a better tomorrow. Delayed gratification is an essential key to a better tomorrow. And so it's just important that we can say no to some things in order for us to be be blessed, to be a blessing. And is all debt bad? No. But if you can't control it, if it's not under the lordship of Jesus Christ, then then you need to go on an all-out war to eliminate it. You need to sell some stuff. You need to live within your means. You need to say no to some things. You got to watch out because the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to to the lender. Uh, number three, uh, a limiter to financial growth and, and things that uh, we want to get rid of so we don't have limits is when we don't embrace a strong work ethic. You just can't get away from this one. So you could be tithing, you could be sowing seed, but if you're not working hard, you won't see the blessing of God so you can be a blessing. Come on, when I was a kid, you know, you'd, you'd, have, to work, you'd have to work for everything. My parents had a line, they'd say, work if you want, work if you want. <laughs> Did you get that? That's a good one for parents. Share that one. When I was eight years old, I had my first business, everybody. Now, my dad had to help me with that, but I had a shoe. I'm not lying. I had a shoe shine. Here we are with shoes again. It's a thing. It's a thing. It's generational. Um, I had a shoe shining business. And I would go around and pass out flyers in all the neighborhood. And if you need your shoes shine, I'll pick them up on Wednesdays and Fridays. And I'll come to the front door and I'd knock on the door on Wednesdays and Fridays. And people give me their shoes and I put them in my little wheelbarrow. And I'd go back home. And then my daddy it would help me spit polish. I mean, I, I, I shined so many shoes, I had no more spit left in my body. I was drained. He had to put me on IVs at eight years old to get me by. I had a, a landscaping business when I was 15, bought everything cash myself, and I was working lawns and and, and and, and cleaning out gutters and doing shrubs and, you know, laying mulch and all kinds of things at 15 years old, making money hand over fist. And I learned how to tie. I learned how to sew. And I learned how to work, 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 work hard. I had a business when I was in college, a gymnastics school. At 19 years old, owned my own business. Daddy helped me get things going. He was a great mentor in that capacity. And it helped me pay for college. And I'd work. I worked literally my whole life. I've never not had a job. I've never not had a job in my life. I learned to honor God. I learned to plant seed. And I learned to get off my blessed assurance. Come on, somebody. Some of you, you know, you work hard all the time. But some of you need to get off your blessed assurance and get a job. I don't know who's out there, but this is a word in season for someone. I told one kid to get a second job recently. He was a young man, about 18 years old. He was struggling with finance. I said, you need to just get a second job. He goes, what? Like, I was crazy. I was looking at him like, you crazy, you know? And so aren't you glad you came to church today? Pastor's going to beat us up. Listen, work won't kill you, okay? Get out there and work. I heard a study that was done that if you live to 75, you will have spent 
15 years, 24 hours a day, entertaining yourself. 15 years, 24 hours a day, entertaining yourself. TV, games, hobbies. And then those same people say they struggle with their finances, but we gave, we gave all that time away. So Proverbs 6, verse 6 through 11, it says, Go to the ant, you sluggard. So thank God that Solomon's a little bit rougher than me, so you don't complain. Um, but he says, consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no, no one telling him what to do, no overseer or ruler, ruler in his life. Yet it stores provision in summer and gathers food at harvest. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When you get up from your sleep, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, kind of getting lazy. And poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. Now, I want to give you one more. This is kind of like a fourth principle that I think puts limits on us. And it's when we refuse, number four, is when we refuse financial accountability. Financial accountability. See, if you don't institute some accountability in your life, you will continue to struggle financially. Now, I don't know how to explain this basically, but you know the Bible says we're often hearers of the word, but not doers. So we hear a great message like this. <laughs> I hope you think so. A great message like this, and what happens? That was great. In one ear and out the other. You know why? You know why this doesn't apply or get applied to our life is because pressure directs our resources. Pressure directs our resources. And so many of us will listen to a message like this, and it won't go from our head into our heart, into our lifestyle. And that's why the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 11, where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. So listen to me, sir, man, boy, or girl, you need accountability with your finances in order to prosper, in order to be blessed, to be a blessing. Because good decisions, write this down, Good decisions are managed decisions. And so wherever you are listening, I'd, I'd like you to consider, to pray about becoming a tither. You need to be held accountable. So you may say in your heart, I want to be a tither. But then two days later, you're not doing it. So I would say make a decision. I'm just going to go for it today with you. If you don't trust this church, don't give it. If you feel under compulsion and manipulated, don't do it. I would not want anybody ever to do that. But if in your heart you want to do something, you need accountability for it. So you just go to the website. You sign up to become a recurring giver. That's what I do. So just taking out the first of the month, I don't pay anybody else. I don't pay my mortgage. I don't pay for my car payment, groceries, nothing. The first thing, the first check in my uh, budget goes to connect. I'm a recurring giver. I just do it automatically. Well, I don't know how much I make every single month. Set an amount based on last year's taxes. Break it down on a monthly basis and just start there. And then if you get more than that, give more of that at the end of the year in a big fat offering. So don't make excuses. You need accountability. So just begin to become a tither. Get a, get a budget. Get a budget. Get with your spouse. Uh, get with somebody in the church who's really good at this. We have people that can help you. Get on a budget and set aside seed every month. So in my budget, it's tithes, offerings. That comes next. Yeah, savings or investing. That comes next. So I pay God, and then I, I, I save. Remember, give, live, save. Excuse me, give, save, live. That's what we do. Or you could say... Um, you, uh, you, you uh, steward, that's, that's the tithe. You, you sow, that's the seed. And then you save, that's the investing. And then you spend everything on yourself. You want to make sure that's in your budget. And some of you need to begin investing so you can have a return coming on a regular basis so you can continue to do this. And if you're in debt, your investing is to pay down your debt. Now, 
I, this budget thing blows people away. Nobody really does it. By, by statistics, it's like less than 90%, excuse me, more than 90% don't do it. And uh, what I did with my kids is I would make all their finances visible to me online. So I could just see all, until they were, in fact, you know, I can still see a couple of them now. And so, because I want to make sure they don't become servant to the lender. And, and I want to make sure that they're practicing these principles that will make you generous. My daddy used to make me uh, carry a budget sheet around in my wallet and keep it up to date so that at any moment he could call me out and ask me, let me see your budget sheet. I want to see what's going on in your finances. And, and for years he did that. And I can remember just living with that accountability. Some of you would hate that. But I appreciated it now because uh, I, I, I live different because I had financial accountability. The Bible says in Psalm 112, and I'll close with this, verses 1 and following, Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord who delights greatly in his commandments. His descendants will be mighty on the earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches will be in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. With every head bowed, with every eye closed, wherever you are, wherever you're listening, maybe on demand or online right now, I just want to pray for you. Two things. One, if you're far from God and you don't know him in a personal way, I want to pray for you. And maybe your finances are way off base. And I want to pray for you that they get in order. And so if you're here today and you know that there's some distance or a disconnect between you and God, Jesus, according to 1 Timothy 2.5, is the mediator between God and man. And if you'll call upon his name, you can be right with him today. And so would you just pray this prayer with me from your heart, out of your mouth, and just say, Jesus, today I give you my life. Come on, say it with me. Say, Jesus, today I give you my life. I surrender to you as my Savior and my Lord Today, I want to know you in a personal way. Come into my life. I pray, Lord, that you not only pay for my sins, but also that I, in turn, because of that, would surrender my life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Today is the day of salvation for me. I receive it. Now, if you're here today and you're far away, far from what God has for you in your finances, and this message has brought a certain amount of conviction, that's okay. That, that, that's good. If you don't do something with it, that's bad. And so I want to pray for you. If you know that's you, I just want you to acknowledge that in your heart. And I'm just going to pray that God do something mighty in your life. Lord, I pray for every person that just uh, is not operating financially in, 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 in under God's blessing and under God's order. And I pray, Lord, that you bring things into order in their life and that they would submit to the word of God. They would submit to accountability. They would begin to practice the principles of God. They would begin to tithe. They would begin to sow. That they would begin to work hard. They would begin to invest. They would begin to uh, work, you know, they would begin to uh, come under financial accountability. Lord, all these principles, I pray they apply to their life. And may they see that they, uh, God wants to bless them so they can be a blessing in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Now, if you made a decision for Jesus today, would you just hit that little hand and just raise your hand and say, that was me, because we want to text you. We want you to text us, then we want to send you some. I would like you to text to CC Saved at 97,000. If you text us, 
we will send you a book called What's, What's Next. It's going to help you on your spiritual journey. It's going to help you in, in where you need to go from here, from where you are right now to where God wants you to be. We got something great for you. I hope it blesses you. I look forward to seeing you at a city group or a small group or back here online. God bless you on behalf of Connect Church. It's been an honor.